0: Back to the Snakes cast, it's Advanced Friday. Today we're gonna go deep on Imhotep. Not quite to the point where he becomes a mummy afterwards, but uh, definitely deeper Always into the strategy the of mummies. the game. Oh, come on, it's Boris Karloff. about the A-sides and the B-sides and why they're different, but today we want to go into a little bit more about why you would choose to use the A-sides and the B-sides. When I'm teaching Imhotep to new players, I pretty much always use just the A-sides, but that's not all there is to it.
1: And it's interesting because I actually find that the A-side is a little less accessible than the B-side is. How so? I just find that some of the stuff is just okay, more interesting, but also a little bit more confusing. In what way? Take the burial chamber, for example. The B side is nice and straightforward. You're scoring in lines. You're scoring in straight lines. Mm. Whereas the A side, you are scoring in clumps. And it makes it so much more important to kind of take into account the spatial element of this game.
0: You know, it is actually kind of hard to get people to grasp how the clumps work.
1: One of the things I find the most interesting about this is the fact that you can choose where stuff goes in the boat. And I find that it's so much more important on side A than it is on side B. Mm. I mean, it's important... All the time, if you remember to do it, which I did not. But if you're trying to score stuff, you're trying to make this very specific pattern, then you have this whole other layer of planning that you're doing instead of just get there first because I want the thing first, or get there second because I want the thing second. You have to kind of like think in the whole like spatial sense,
0: especially in the burial chamber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think that. Uh... You know, I guess it varies from one to the next. You know, now that you point this out, I think probably I should be using side B of the burial chamber to teach this game. Uh, The market, though, side A and side B, it's, it's, it's the reverse. Side B is the one that's got the trickier extra thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So the difference, the the big difference between side A and side B is side A has slots for four cards face up that everyone gets to see, and side B has three slots face up and then one slot for two face down cards where you get to take both of them, decide which one you want to keep, and then chuck the other one. So
0: it's a gamble. The thing about the market is that you don't get points right away for unloading your blocks. They you get these cards, which can give you the potential for stuff, and you pretty much always want to be first when you arrive at the market. You want your blocks to be at the front because yeah, that you way you get first, first choice yeah. of the cards that are out there. Uh, the B-side adds that extra sort of hidden element where you're kind of taking a gamble. There's two different cards there. You don't know what they are but you know you're going to have your choice of which one.
1: Um, the temple is also another one where I find that side A is more straightforward than side B. Mm-hmm. So the temple, you are building a, a row of four or five cubes, depending on how many players you have. And once that row is complete, you build on top of that row. So you always have like a row of like four or five cubes. When you're scoring at the end of the round, you basically like look down at this row from above, and then you score based on how many cubes there are of whatever color. Uh, side A, you score a flat one point per cube. So if there's two gray, one black, and one white, gray gets two points and Black and white each get one. But the temple on the B side has varied scoring and also like powers and choices and options. So,
0: right. So, one spot will give you two points. Another spot will give you your choice of a point or two cubes. Another one gives you a card.
1: Yep and that's not i mean significantly more complicated but definitely like a little bit more interesting and again talking about the whole like spatial planning thing mm-hmm. it is definitely in your best interest to try to get on the two pointer side or if you're hoarding cards for some inexplicable reason to go on the card space <laughs> so it does kind of like again have that got to think more about where stuff goes and what order
0: i think i really like the a set of the obelisks better it's so elemental just making the tallest stack of yeah, cubes yeah it's
1: much more can. like true to real life you know obelisks are like the giant pointy things and they're not very wide but they sure are very tall
0: and uh, you know, getting them in groups I mean it's so unsatisfying because you have to have them in groups of three for them to be worth anything so if you just have one or two left over at the end it feels so sad but then again if you want it to be a stabbier nastier game then arranging for your mm-hmm. opponents who only who are sitting there with two blocks on the obelisks on round six, the final round of the game, and they desperately want to get mm-hmm. one more block there, and you send three more blocks mm-hmm. there.
1: One thing that I found was that side A of the obelisk is, is the one I would recommend to play for two players over the other one. So, side B, when I was playing for two with two players, I found that it didn't really feel like it was that big of a deal. I mean, the way that the game was going, we were just kind of, like, alternating, like, I got a space, and then David got a space, and I got a space, and they got a space. And it wound up that, like, at the end of the game, they had three and I had two, but if I had gotten my last cube for my third one, we would have been, like, one point away from each other it would have been 23 versus 22 points and it's kind of like the nature of the way the game is played with two people you know like if a boat's got two slots and i'm on the first slot then my opponent has no reason to not throw themselves on the second slot of that boat otherwise i'm getting something just by myself right it it felt like a almost a throw away versus side a
0: it's just an all or nothing yeah so
1: for it so, the side A of the obelisk is the only thing where the scoring changes depending on how many players you have. So, if you're playing with four players, uh, the person with the tallest obelisk gets fir- gets um, 15 points. The person with the second tallest will get 10, third will get 5, and four will get 1. All the way down to two players. If you're playing with two players, the person with the highest obelisk gets 10 points, and the other person gets 1. That's you an get one point.
0: Point swing.
1: That's huge. Massive.
0: That's almost the entire game right there.
1: And that makes it so much more desperate. Like, I am desperate to get this tallest tower, because if I don't, there's a good chance that that's what's going to lose me the game.
0: Is there a risk of the game becoming too much about the obelisk if you use side A with two players?
1: Uh, Uh, maybe...
0: I guess it sort of depends, you know, the, this is one of the reasons why this customization is so cool, is because different play groups kind of get to find their happy place, you know, kind of, this this is how we like to play it, because mm-hmm. it plays like this, and other people can customize it to suit their taste for something that's more iterative and more gradual.
1: Or you could just flip a coin for every piece of this board sure, and just play have, it random. Sli-
0: exactly, you can get a different game every time.
1: Yeah, because some of these kind of like interact way differently with each other, you know? Like, the pyramids
0: is another big one where it's really different, too.
1: Mm-hmm. So, side A of the pyramids is one big pyramid with a base for nine spots, and then the second level has four, and then the third just has one cube at the top. Right, so you got
0: a three-by-three three grid, and then you've got a two-by-two two grid on top of that, and then a capstone on top of all those. <sighs> so satisfying.
1: And then side B is way less satisfying again like talking about like the obelisk being like we like side a because it actually feels like an obelisk it's, like one big <laughs> stack of cubes yeah. um side so b of the pyramids is three smaller pyramids with a four cube base and then just like one cube popped on top
0: and the one that goes on top is always worth four points which mm-hmm. is kind of massive uh, so you don't want to put the fourth cube on any of these things because that way the other player is going to be able to get it is going to be able to get that fifth one to place the capstone and get their
1: four points. Uh, what is interesting about the B side of the pyramid, though, is because there are three pyramids, you get to choose which pyramid you want to go on when right. you unload the boat. So it still goes in order. If I'm first on the boat, I get to choose which pyramid I want to go to first. And you're
0: going to pick the best one
1: if there is a best one for right. me to pick in that situation. It but, would be, I think. Yeah, but you know, if, if second place gets three points on one pyramid and one on the others, then you know what? Maybe I'm not going to go on that first <laughs> pyramid. Maybe I want to be a little spiteful, you know, like take a hit to the points.
0: Whereas with the A spot, uh, the A side of the pyramids... The uh, There's no choice. I mean, the first cube gets unloaded here, and they just unload top to bottom, left to right, which means the spite from the A-side is in deciding where to send the boats. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like, yes, your boat is going here, so you can get one measly point. Enjoy that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I am probably going to continue to mostly use the A-sides for teaching the game to new players, except the barrel chamber. I, I, I think I agree, the B side is actually a bit simpler. And generally speaking, the rule seems to be that the A side is more immediately understandable. The B side is a bit more tricky and gamey, I guess. But uh, even that might not necessarily be enough for some players. Um, the same thing that makes Imhotep so accessible and so great as a cafe game can also be kind of a negative for the sort of more uh, expert-type players who really, really want a game that's going to have really tough, challenging decisions at every corner. The, your decision space in Imhotep is really nicely constrained. Like, that little sledge where you keep your, your blocks, it's only got room for five, which means if you've already got three, four, five blocks sitting there, you're never going to do the thing where you take three blocks because the extras will just spill over. Uh, if your sledge is empty, you're pretty much always going to take three. If all the boats are full then you either are going to take three or sail one of these in. If all the boats are empty and your sledge is full, you have to place one. So, in any given turn, generally speaking, you're. although it may seem that the choices are, are fairly broad, the game sort of funnels you in to a few clear, simple, obvious choices which make it easy and accessible for new players. On the other hand, if you're playing with the type of people who go to Agricola tournaments, they're probably not gonna be too happy about this because to them, the decision space is too constrained, the choices are too obvious, and it just doesn't feel like they have any control over what they're doing, especially when the other players are dedicating their energy to just sailing their boats to places where they don't wanna be. And there's also the question of, well, okay. Supposing we're playing this game with four players and you have the option to do something that's gonna help you or do something that's going to make life not so great for one or two of the other players? What's the better choice to make?
1: I don't know. It, it depends, thing. right? It, but I feel that I feel that there's probably more of an issue with two players. I feel that there's mm-hmm. like you were saying, you know, constriction of choice. There's so little to do, really, which mm-hmm. is a good and a bad thing. You're right. Like there's so little to do that if you're playing with four, like three or four people, you won't be able to spite everybody else. Not right?
0: without taking your own score.
1: Or without make doing something good for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, like if playing like with four people and there's this boat and there's three cute like three different colored cubes on it or four different colored cubes on it. I can, like, choose to spite somebody, but there's a good chance that I'll do good for somebody else on that boat that's not me. Right?
0: And generally speaking, every cube that gets sailed, that gets unloaded, is going to do something. They're usually going to be worth at least one point. Mm-hmm. Like, even if the pyramid has been completely built, extra stuff is still worth one yeah, point. Yeah, there's very you...
1: little that's thrown away.
0: Which means that you, what you kind of want to be doing is just putting as many cubes as possible onto those boats, just spamming cubes mm-hmm. and let the other players sail yeah, them in for you.
1: Hoping for the best.
0: Yeah, and even if they do spite you're still going to wind up getting something. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, the player who gets spited the most is probably not going to win No, when you get to the end.
1: But what's interesting too is that you can always send off boats that don't have your own cubes on it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like each of the boats, so there's four, three, two, and then one. They'll each have a little kind of like number of dots at the top that tell you what is the minimum you need to have in this boat if you want to sail.
0: Yeah, you can't just sail an empty boat yeah. in something. So, it's got to have something. On so
1: there. I think it's like the four seater boats you need three, the three seaters you need two, and then the two and the ones you only need one piece mm-hmm. on it. So like one of my opponents can throw one of their cubes in a two seater boat and I can just send it off somewhere just because and it will do <laughs> literally nothing for me because I don't have any like, any, anything on that boat, but, you know, maybe it'll keep them away from that thing that I really want them to be kept away from. Mm-hmm. Or it'll, like, fill out a slot that they could have, you know, spammed with more cubes later and gotten more points from, but now they just get the one.
0: Yeah, and that two-player game with that all-important rush for the obelisk, mm-hmm. if your opponent has a boat with three of their cubes on it, and it's your turn... Probably not leave that open so they can sail nope. over to the obelisk and nope. get that 18 point swing. Probably put it someplace else, anywhere else.
1: Literally anywhere else.
0: Right, that'll do it for this week on the Snakes Cast. We hope you enjoyed this look at MHOTEP. You can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com to let us know what you think, or if there's other stuff you'd like us to talk about, or just want to say hi.
1: The Snakes Cast is produced by Dax Audio, and music is provided by Ben Sound.
0: Tune in next week when we talk about board games with a theme of Food.
1: food. Uh, the opinions expressed on the Snakes cast are those of the presenters and guests, and nobody else's. See
0: you next week, everybody.